0: Chapter eighteen of the Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni translated by George William Fenshaw This LibriVox recording is in the public domain CHAPTER eighteen On this same day, the thirteenth of November, there arrived a courier extraordinary to the Signor Podesta of Lecco. The courier brought an express from the head of police, containing an order to make every possible search for a young man of the name of Lorenzo Tramaglino, silk weaver, who, having escaped from the hands, of the illustrious head
1: above cited,
0: had probably returned to the territory of Lecco. That, in case of his discovery, he should be committed to prison, and an account rendered to the police of his wicked practices, his ostensible means of procuring subsistence, and his accomplices. And, furthermore, that an execution should be put into the house of the above-said Lorenzo Tramaglino and everything taken from thence that might aid in throwing light on his nefarious deeds. The signor Podesta, after ascertaining as well as he could that Renzo had not returned to the village, took with him the constable of the place, and obeyed these injunctions, accompanied by a large escort of notary, constable, and officers. The key of the house was not to be found. The door was accordingly forced. The report of this transaction spread around, and soon reached the ears of Father Christopher. The good man was surprised and afflicted, and not being able to gain satisfactory information with regard to Renzo, he wrote to the Father Bonaventura for intelligence concerning him. In the meanwhile, the relations and friends of Renzo were summoned to give in their testimony, with regard to his depravity of character. To bear the name of Trammellino became a disgrace. The village was all in commotion. By little and little, it was understood that Renzo had escaped from the hands of justice, even in the heart of Milan, and had disappeared. It was whispered that he had committed some enormous crime, the nature of which remained unknown. The more enormous, however, the less it was believed, for Renzo was known by everybody to be a worthy youth the greatest number thought therefore that it was a machination of don roderick to ruin his poor rival thus it is true that judging from inference and without the indispensable knowledge of facts we often wrongfully suspect even the wicked but we who have the facts in our hands can affirm that if don roderick had no share in creating these misfortunes he rejoiced in them as if they had been his own work and made them a subject of merriment with his friends and above all with count attilio who had been deterred from prosecuting his intended journey to milan by the account received of the disturbances there but this order from the police gave him to understand that things had resumed their usual course he then determined to depart immediately and exhorting his cousin to persist in his undertaking and to surmount every obstacle he promised to use his efforts to rid him of the friar attilio had hardly taken his departure when griso arrived safe and sound from monza and gave in his report to his master, of all he had been able to collect. He told him that Lucy had been taken into the convent under the protection of the Signora, that she lived there as secluded as if she were a nun, never putting her foot without the walls, that she assisted at the ceremonies of the church behind a grated window, and that it was impossible to obtain a view of her. This relation put the devil into Roderick, or rather rendered the one more controllable that sojourned there already." So many favourable circumstances concurring to forward his designs inflamed the medley of spleen, rage, and infamous desire, which he dignified by the name of love. Renzo absent, expelled, banished, every measure against him became lawful. His betrothed herself might be considered in some sort as the property of a rebel. The only man who could and would take her under his protection, the friar, would soon be deprived of the power to do so, but amid so many unlooked-for facilities, one obstacle appeared to render them unavailable a monastery of monza even if there were no signora there was an obstacle not to be surmounted even by don roderick he in vain wandered in his imagination around this asylum not being able to devise any means of violating it either by force or intrigue he was upon the point of renouncing the enterprise of going to milan of mixing in its pleasures and thus drowning all remembrance of lucy but in place of relief would he not find there fresh food for vexation Attilio had certainly told the story and every one would ask him about the mountain girl. What reply would he be obliged to give? He had been outwitted by a Capuchin and a clown. And, moreover, when a happy, unexpected chance had rid him of the one and a skilful friend removed the other, then he, like a simpleton, abandoned the undertaking. There was enough in this to prevent his ever lifting up his head in the society of his equals, or else to compel him to go among them sword in hand. And on the other hand, how could he return and remain in this spot, where he would be tormented by the remembrance of his passion and the disgrace of its failure? how resolve what do shall he go forward shall he draw back a means presented itself to his mind by which his enterprise might succeed this was to call to his aid the assistance of a man whose power could accomplish whatever he thought fit to undertake and for whom the difficulty of an enterprise would be only an additional motive for engaging in it but this project had nevertheless its inconveniences and dangers the consequences of which it was impossible to calculate no one could foresee the termination of an affair when they had once embarked in it with this man-a powerful auxiliary assuredly but a guide not less absolute than dangerous such reflections kept don roderick many days in a state of painful irresolution he received in the meanwhile a letter from his cousin informing him that the intrigue was prospering after the lightning came the thunder one fine morning he heard that father christopher had left the convent of Pescarinico. such complete and prompt success and the letter of Atilio, who encouraged him by his advice and vexed him by his jokes inclined him to hazard everything and what above all confirmed him in his intention was the unexpected intelligence that agnes had returned to the village and was at her own house we will relate these two events for the information of the reader lucy and her mother had hardly entered their asylum when the news of the terrible insurrection at milan spread through monza and even penetrated the walls of the convent the accounts were various and contradictory the portress who from necessity went much abroad heard all the news and related them to her guests
2: they have put several in prison said she some were taken before the bakers of the crutches others in front of the house inhabited by the superintendent of provision but listen to this there was one who escaped it who was from leco or thereabouts i don't know his name but i will ascertain it from someone.
0: perhaps you may know him this intelligence, joined to the circumstance that Renzo must have arrived in Milan precisely on this fatal day, gave some uneasiness to Lucy and her mother. Judge what must have been their feelings, when the portress came again to tell them. He that fled to avoid hanging is from your
2: village. A silk weaver. One tramaglino.
0: Do you know him? Lucy was seated, busy at her work. It fell from her hands. She turned pale, and her emotion must certainly have attracted the attention of the portress, had she not been too eagerly engaged in delivering her report to agnes who was standing by the door at some distance from the poor girl agnes notwithstanding she was much agitated avoided any exhibition of her feelings she made an effort to reply that in a small village everyone was known but she could hardly believe this to be true of Dramalino, as he was a quiet worthy youth she asked if it was true that he had escaped and if it was known where he was
2: escaped he certainly has for everyone knows it but where no one knows perhaps they may take him again perhaps he is in safety but if your peaceful youth falls into their hands
0: here very fortunately the portress was called away you may imagine the feelings of agnes and her daughter the poor woman and the desolate lucy remained more than a day in cruel uncertainty imagining the details and probable consequences of this unhappy event tormented with vain hopes and anxious fears their only relief was in each other's sympathy. At length a man arrived at the convent and asked to see Agnes. He was a fishmonger of Pescarenico, who was going, according to custom, to Milan to sell his fish. The good Christopher had desired him to stop at the convent, to relate what he knew of the unhappy affair of Renzo, to Lucy and her mother, and to exhort them in his name to have patience and to confide in God. As for him, he should certainly not forget them, and would seize every possible opportunity to aid them in the meanwhile he would not fail to send them news every week by this or some other means all that the messenger could tell them further of renzo was that it was considered certain that he had taken refuge in bergamo such a certainty was a great balm to the affliction of lucy her tears flowed thus bitterly and she experienced some comfort in discoursing upon it with her mother and they united in heartfelt thanks to the great being who had saved them from so many dangers gertrude made lucy often visit her in her private parlour and conversed much with her finding a charm in the ingenuousness and sweetness of the poor girl and delighted with listening to expressions of gratitude from her mouth she changed insensibly the suspicions of lucy with regard to her into a sentiment of the deepest compassion by relating to her in confidence a part of her history that part of it which she dared avow lucy found in the relation reasons more than sufficient to explain what had appeared strange in the manners of her benefactress she was very careful however not to return the confidence gertrude placed in her by speaking of her new fears and misfortunes lest she should thereby extend the knowledge of renzo's supposed crime and disgrace she avoided as much as possible replying to the repeated enquiries of the signora on that part of her history which preceded the promise of marriage to her modesty and innocence it appeared an impossible thing to converse freely on such a subject gertrude was often tempted to quarrel with her shyness but how could she lucy was nevertheless so respectful so grateful so trusting sometimes her shrinking and susceptible modesty might displease her from other motives but all was lost in the sweetness of the thought that to Lucy, if to no other human being, she was doing good. And this was true, for besides the asylum she afforded her, her conversation and endearments encouraged the timid mind of the maiden, whose only other resource was constant employment. The nuns at her solicitation furnished her with occupation, and, as from morning till night she plied her needle, her reel, her beloved but now forsaken reel, recurred to her memory, bringing with it a throng of painful recollections. The following week another message was received from Father Christopher, confirming the flight of Renzo, but with regard to the extent or nature of his misdemeanour there was no further information. The friar had hoped for satisfaction on this point from his brother at Milan, to whom he had recommended him, but had received for answer that he had neither seen the young man nor received the letter, that some one from abroad had been at the convent to ask for him, and not finding him there, had gone away. The third week there was no messenger which not only deprived them of a desired and expected consolation, but also produced a thousand uneasy suspicions. Before this, Agnes had thought of taking a journey home, and this disappointment confirmed her resolution. Lucy was unwilling to be separated from her mother, but her anxiety to gain more satisfactory intelligence of Renzo and the security she felt in her sacred asylum reconciled her. It was therefore agreed between them that Agnes should wait on the road the following day for the return of the fishmonger from Milan, and should ask the favor of a seat in his cart, in order to go to her mountains. Upon seeing him approach, therefore, she asked him if Father Christopher had not sent any message by him. The fishmonger had been occupied the whole day before his departure in fishing, and had received no message from the friar. She then preferred her request, and having obtained a compliance with it, bade farewell to her daughter and the Signora, promising a speedy return. The journey was without incident. Early in the morning they arrived at Pescarenico. Here Agnes took leave of her conductor— with many thanks for the obligation he had conferred on her, and as she was before the convent gates, she determined to speak with the good friar before she proceeded homeward. She pulled the bell. The friar Galdino, whom we may remember as the nut collector, appeared to answer it. Oh, good dame, what good wind brings
3: you here? I come to see Father Christopher. Father Christopher,
1: he is not here. No. Will it be long before he returns? Where is
3: he gone? To Romini. To... To Romini.
0: Where is that? Eh, 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 replied the friar, extending his arms as if to indicate a great distance. Miserable that I am. But why did he go so suddenly? Because the Father
3: Provincial would have it so. And
1: why did they send away one who did so
3: much good here? Oh, unhappy me! if our superiors were obliged to give reasons for what they do where would be our obedience my good woman but this is such a loss shall i tell you how it has happened they have probably wanted a good preacher at ramini they have them in every place to be sure but sometimes a particular man is needed the father provincial of that place has written to the father provincial of this to know if there were such a person in this convent the father provincial returned for answer that there was none but father christopher who corresponded to the description oh unfortunate when did he go the day
1: before yesterday oh if i had only come a few days sooner as
3: i wished to do and do they not know when he will return why my dear woman the father provincial knows if any one does but when one of our preachers has taken his flight it is impossible to say on what branch he will rest they want him here they want him there for we have convents in the four quarters of the world father christopher will make a great noise at Rimini with his lent sermon the fame of this great preacher will resound everywhere and it is our duty to give him up because we live on the charity of others and it is but right we should serve all the world oh misery misery cried agnes weeping what
1: shall i do without this good man he was a f- father to us
3: what a loss what a loss hear me good woman father christopher was truly a good man but we have others equally so there is father antanasio father girolamo father zaccaria father zaccaria is a worthy man and you must not wonder as some ignorant people do at his shrill voice and his little beard i do not say that he is a preacher because every one has his talent
0: but to give advice he is the man oh holy patience cried agnes with the mixture of gratitude and vexation one feels at an offer containing more good-will than suitableness
1: what is it to me what another man is when? he who was gone knew our affairs and had everything prepared to help us
3: then you must have patience i know that excuse the trouble i have given you that is of no consequence my good woman i pity you if you decide upon asking advice of one of the fathers you will find the convent still in its place but let me see you soon when i collect the oil
0: god preserve you said agnes and she proceeded homeward confused and disconcerted as a blind man who had lost his staff having more information than Friar galdino we are enabled to relate the truth of this affair attilio immediately on his arrival at milan performed his promise to don roderick and visited his uncle of the secret council this was a committee composed of thirteen members whose sanction was necessary to the proceedings of the government in case of the absence or death of the governor the council assumed temporarily the control the count one of the oldest members of the council enjoyed in it some authority which he did not fail to make known on all occasions. His language was ambiguous, his silence significant. He had the art of flattering without absolutely promising, of menacing without perhaps the power to perform. But these flatteries and menaces produced in the minds of others an impression of his unlimited power, which was the end and purpose of all his actions. Towards this point he lately made a great stride on an extraordinary occasion. He had been sent on an embassy to Madrid. And to hear him describe his reception there, among other honours the count duke had treated him with particular attention had admitted him to his confidence so far as to ask him in the presence of the whole court if he were pleased with madrid and to tell him on another occasion at a window that the cathedral of milan was the most magnificent church in the king's dominions after having paid his duty to the count and presented the compliments of his cousin Attilio, with a seriousness which he knew well how to assume said
4: i believe it to be my duty to inform the signor my uncle of an affair in which Roderick is concerned, and which requires the interference of your lordship to avert the serious consequences that—
5: Ah, one of his pranks, I suppose.
4: In truth, I must say that the injury has not been committed by Roderick. But he is exasperated, and none but my uncle can—
5: What is it? What is it?
4: There is in his neighbourhood a capuchin friar who sets himself in array against my cousin, who hates him and the matter stands thus.
5: How often have I told you both to let the friars manage their own affairs? It is enough for those to whom it belongs. But you, you can avoid having anything to do with them.
4: Signor uncle, it is my duty to inform you that Roderick would have avoided it if it had been possible. It is the friar who has quarrelled with him, and he has used every means.
5: What the devil can the friar have in common with my nephew?
4: First of all, "'He is known to be a quarrelsome fellow. "'He protects a peasant girl of the village, "'and regards her, with a benevolence to say the least of it, very suspicious.'
5: "'I comprehend,'
0: said his uncle, "'and a ray of malice passed over the depth of dullness "'which nature had stamped on his countenance.' "'For some time,' continued Attilio,
4: "'the friar has suspected Roderick of designs on this young girl.'
5: "'He has suspected, indeed.' i know the signor roderick too well myself not to need to be told that he is incorrigible in such matters
4: that roderick signor uncle may have had some trifling conversation with this girl i can very well believe he is young and moreover not a capuchin but these are idle tales not worth engaging your attention the serious part of the affair is that the friar speaks of roderick as if he were a villain and instigates all the country against him. And the other friars They do not meddle with it, because they know him to be hot headed, though they have great respect for Roderick. But then, on the other hand, the friar passes for a saint with the villagers, and
5: I imagine he does not know Roderick is my nephew.
4: Does he not know it? It is that precisely which animates him to this course of conduct.
5: How? How?
4: he takes pleasure and he tells it to everyone he takes the more pleasure in vexing roderick because he has a protector as powerful as your lordship he laughs at the nobility and at diplomatists and exults at the thought that the girdle of st francis can tie up all the swords
5: and that oh the presumptuous man what is his name friar christopher of
0: said attilio the count drew his portfolio towards him and inscribed the name meanwhile attilio proceeded
4: he has always had this character his life is well known he was a plebeian and having some wealth wished to associate with the gentlemen and not being able to succeed killed one of them for rage and to escape the gallows he assumed the habit of a friar.
5: bravo well done we will see we will see
0: said the count in a fume now continued Attelia,
4: he is more enraged than ever because he has failed in a project he had much at heart it is by this that your lordship can see what kind of a man he is he wished to have this girl married to remove her from the dangers of the world you understand and he had found his man a fellow whose name you have doubtless heard because i have understood that the secret council has been obliged to take notice of the worthy youth who is he monsieur cuiva lorenzo Tramellino. he who
5: lorenzo Tramellino,
0: cried the count
5: well done friar truly now i remember he had a letter for a uh... it is a pity that but no matter and pray why did don roderick say nothing of all this why did he suffer things to go so far before he acquainted one, where's the power and the will to support him?
4: I will tell you also the truth with respect to that. Knowing the multitude of cases which you have to perplex you, he has not been willing to add to them. And, besides, since I must say it, he is beside himself on account of the insults offered him by the Friar, and would wish to wreak summary justice on him himself rather than obtain it from prudence and the power of your lordship i have tried to cool his ardour but finding it impossible i thought it my duty to inform your lordship who after all is the prop and chief column of the house
5: you ought to have spoken sooner
4: that is true but i hoped the affair would finish of itself or that the friar would regain his reason or that he would leave the convent as often happens to these friars, who are sometimes here, sometimes there. And then all would have been settled.
5: But—' The arrangement of the business now rests with me.
4: That is what I thought. I said to myself, the our uncle is the only one who can save the honour of Don Roderick. He has a thousand means that I know not of. I know that the father provincial has a great respect for him, and if our uncle should think—' that the best thing for this friar would be a change of air, he
5: can, in a few words, "'Will your lordship leave the care of the business to him to whom it appertains?'
0: said the Count, sharply.
5: "'Ah, that is true,'
0: cried Attilio.
4: "'Am I the man to give advice to your lordship? But the regard I have for the honour of the family made me speak, and I am afraid I have committed another folly,'
0: added he, affecting a pensive air.
4: I am afraid I have injured Don Roderick. In your opinion, I should have no rest if you doubted Roderick's confidence in you, and submission to your will. I hope the Signora Uncle will believe that in this case it is truly
5: well. Well, you two will be always friends till one of you become prudent, fault and relying on me to repair it. You give me more trouble than all the affairs of state.
0: Continued he, with an expression of grave importance. Atilio proffered a few more excuses, promises, and compliments, and took his leave, with a parting injunction from his uncle to be prudent. End of chapter 18